0: Show me your five best friends, I'll tell you who you are. And five of Donald Trump's best friends have been indicted or pled guilty in the last several months. That's not good.
1: I don't have five best friends, so...
0: (laughs) (laughs) Stay tuned. That's just
2: part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus.
3: Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana... This is In Focus with Dan Spieler.
4: Good morning, everyone. I'm Matt Smith. Dan will join us in a bit. We begin with the sad news breaking overnight that Arizona Senator John McCain has passed away at the age of 81. This morning, reaction is coming in from across Indiana and the nation. McCain died yesterday afternoon at his home in Arizona after battling glioblastoma. The 6 term senator was a two-time presidential contender and war hero. In Vietnam, he was held a prisoner of war and tortured. During the 2016 presidential campaign, President Trump once made light of that time. But last night he tweeted, my deepest sympathies and respect go out to the family of Senator John McCain. Our hearts and prayers are with you. And from Vice President Mike Pence saying in part, we honor his lifetime of service to this nation in our military and public life. His family and friends will be in our prayers. Indiana Senator Todd Young reacting this morning. We can honor his life and legacy, he says, by ensuring America continues to lead from a position of strength, principle, standing up to freedom, the oppressed, the dispossessed, and the rule of law. A few days ago, we also talked with Senator Joe Donnelly when McCain's family announced he was stopping medical treatment.
5: To be with somebody who, when you look, is an American hero, an American icon. And um, every moment with him was
4: like a blessing. We'll have more reaction to McCain's death coming up all morning. Now to that wild week that was Washington politics in two newsmaking interviews right here. Two men who were part of President Trump's inner circle are now felons. And Indiana Democratic Congressman Andre Carson says it could be time to start talking about impeachment. That's a word even few Democrats uttered this past week on Capitol Hill. Here's Dan with his conversation.
2: Michael Cohen uh, pleading guilty. Paul Manafort. Uh, now found guilty on eight counts. Uh, wh- what was your takeaway of this week's dramatic news?
6: I think it's unfortunate. I think uh, that these kinds of actions from uh, the president's closest confidants, uh, Paul Manafort, who he has known for uh, decades, many years, uh, Michael Cohen, who is his attorney, I think that these charges um, kind of speak to the hypocrisy of someone who ran on the premise of draining the swamp when it turns out that he in fact was uh the swamp thing
2: but what is this ultimately going to mean in in washington where is is all of this going obviously uh, democrats are hoping to take back the house and, and there's been more talk this week about whether that might mean impeachment proceedings if they do where do you stand on that based on everything we have seen this week
6: Well, my hope is that Democrats uh, take back the House for many reasons. One, we can have an honest conversation about impeachment proceedings, but also to ensure that Democrats uh, assume the helm of upholding the rule of law and that we support Director Mueller's independent uh, investigation and we make sure that he's protected in the process so we can continue to unearth criminal activities and get to the bottom of foreign influence i.e russia's influence on our electoral process and elected officials for that matter
2: do you think we have seen uh, enough up to this point to move forward with impeachment proceedings do you favor that if democrats do take back the house
6: having a sitting u.s president uh, being listed as an unindicted co-conspirator for me uh, meets the test it meets the standard I'll let the legal scholars argue about it amongst themselves and to the American people. But for me, as someone who sits proudly on the House Intelligence Committee, watch him disparage um, the intelligence community as well as our friends in the media. I think it's unfortunate. I think that his attempts to minimize, to bully others, to trivialize our political process, to downplay the importance of voters, to insult the intelligence of the American people, I think that uh, he's unfit to serve as president. He has been unpresidential and criminal, in fact, and I think it's time for the American people to think seriously about who they want as their next president.
1: I would not support that. I do not believe that a majority of the members of the House would support that. And um, you know I understand that it is certainly something as those close to the president might be indicted, people are talking about, but uh, to date, that we do not have any violations of law being alleged against the president.
6: So when you have a president who obviously has mud on his hands from his closest cronies, I think it's time we get honest about how we want our democracy to be. In fact, I've met with Trump supporters, many of whom who support me, who have expressed a severe degree of buyer's remorse. They're disillusioned with the political process. So for the president to be as cozy as he has been with the Russian government, and to downplay after the intelligence community has made Recommendation and assessment after assessment about the very dangers of Vladimir Putin's directives to slowly undermine our democracy. All right, this
2: week, the GOP seizing on our interview with Carson in terms of the race for Senate, saying it's not surprising that an obstructionist Democrat, in their words like Andre Carson, supports impeaching the president. But since he's Senator Donnelly's top surrogate for his reelection campaign, they ask, does Donnelly support impeachment as well? Well, this week, we did catch up on Friday with Senator Joe Donnelly and asked about this Michael Cohen news. I am following the special
5: counsel's work very closely. And what I want to do is give him the time and the space necessary to continue on his work uh, to
2: take it wherever it goes. Now, this week, I also spoke with Donnelly's opponent, Mike Braun. A lot of news to get to this week after the uh, the Manafort and the Cohen uh, court proceedings uh, this week. Steve Bannon told the media every Trump supporter needs to get with the program. He said this clarifies that November is a referendum on impeachment, in his words, an up or down vote. Do you think that's the case, and is that an argument you'll be making here
3: in Indiana? You know, I think that's what maybe some of the media will not want to have us do. But to me, from talking to Hoosiers, uh, I just don't have many folks in the field. I've been out every day. And uh, the things I'm hearing about are health care and issues that are, I think, a little closer to home. And uh, when it comes to whatever's happening with Manafort and the other stuff, I really don't believe that's going to weigh in among Hoosiers. Most of the people I'm talking to every day, they're not asking me about
2: that. You did put out a statement the day after the Manafort and Cohen News saying Mike Braun stands with Donald Trump. You didn't mention either of those cases. You called out your opponent Joe Donnelly for supporting Hillary Clinton in in 2016, but is there some risk for you at all in sticking with the president when we don't know where this whole legal situation will be Uh, a couple uh, months from now?
3: I I think if you're looking at the results uh, of what people have really notice since he's become president is we're getting some things done. I mean, uh, for conservatives, and Indiana's a conservative state. But do these controversies get in the way? Yeah, there might be a distraction. I think that, uh, you know, it it might take away from focusing on the fact that most people are real happy about the economy. Uh, They are looking forward to getting Judge Kavanaugh confirmed, and I think they might be noticing more about the cat-and-mouse game that uh, Chuck Schumer and Joe Donnelly are playing with that because I don't think any Democrat's going to come across the line and vote unless it's a foregone conclusion far Judge uh, Kavanaugh, and I think that kind of... This could
2: complicate the Kavanaugh com- confirmation. Well, you know, now I, we've know, seen one Democratic senator already cancel a meeting this week.
3: Yeah, I think for uh, I think that you're going to have every Republican voting for uh, Judge Kavanaugh, and then I think you're going to see Chuck Schumer letting several that are in tight races vote for the judge, and uh, that would be my prediction. Of course, we don't know, but I think there Chuck Schumer is going to wait till the last minute. And then guys like Manchin and Joe Donnelly and Heidi Heitkamp, I think, will uh, be allowed to vote for the judge. Now, you've said you don't think
2: voters in, in Indiana are all that concerned about the Manafort or the Cohen news. Are you? He was he was more or less the president <clears throat> implicated by Michael Cohen in this as a, as a
3: co-conspirator. Well, I he think, said that
2: then-candidate Trump directed yeah, him to make that payment.
3: Yeah, I think when you we get through this, I mean, it's been in the news for a long time. It's now concluded Uh, no mention of collusion so I think it further reinforces the fact that this ought to be over because I really believe it is being kind of milked and it's out there for a long time and uh, it's starting to irritate folks that uh, they would like to see government including the president on the agenda of trying to fix problems and that goes from uh, infrastructure to healthcare costs to all the things out there that I'm going to focus on
2: Democrats here in Indiana filed an ethics complaint this week claiming that you had broken campaign finance laws by failing to file a, a legally required 48-hour notice report after uh, loaning your campaign a quarter million dollars before the May primary. This on the heels of the uh, the GOP filing right. an ethics complaint about Donnelly's office posting video of that Kavanaugh meeting, but what about the complaint they just filed? What's your response to that? You
3: need to do your homework uh, because uh, the fact was they thought it was filed late, you know, and it was actually filed in time. Uh, It was a fax that wasn't recorded correctly by them, so it was filed in time. But when you're bringing up something like that from the primary, uh, again, Joe Donnelly's record in this state And that's the way I'm going to litigate the race, is nearly 80% of the time he's voting with uh, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, and even more so with Chuck Schumer. And if you take the important bills, it's nearly 100% of the time. Forgive me, because there's a lot to
2: respond to this week. One of your recent ads uh, calling yourself a doer and Donnelly an anti-doer has now been uh, deleted from your YouTube page reportedly because of some similarities to a nearly identical chevron ad what happened with that campaign spot
3: um i think that um we were just talking about the fact that guys like me that have done things in the real world uh you know that's a big contrast to guys like joe donnelly that are career politicians and uh if there was a similarity between that and something else um that was incidental or accidental. Got pulled down I really don't know. I just know that the Im- the importance of that ad is the fact that, you know, I'm coming from the world where you actually accomplish stuff. And uh, I think, again, if there was some type of nuance made there, um, that's a technicality rather than something that's important. Do you know if you were told by Chevron or, or threatened in any way? You really don't
2: know. Legal? Okay. All right, more of that interview next week and on our website. Meantime, President Trump will be back in Indiana this coming week at a rally in Evansville Thursday night campaigning for Braun and also attending a private fundraiser for the Braun campaign. We'll talk about the president's visit with our panel coming up and all of the Indiana implications of this wild week in the news. Also ahead, Curtis Hill in front of the cameras again this week. The attorney general still fighting those groping allegations. Hear what he told reporters about that investigation coming up. We're back now with our panel. Rob Burgess is former communications director for Congressman Trey Hollingsworth. Christina Hale was a state lawmaker and candidate for lieutenant governor in 2016. Mike Murphy, former GOP lawmaker and former Marion County chair. And Jennifer Wagner, the former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. You also used to work for Congressman Andre Carson. You just heard him there suggesting that maybe it's time to start talking about impeachment proceedings if the Democrats take back the House. How does a statement like that impact the political landscape in Congress and also here in Indiana?
1: Well, I don't think it impacts anything here in Indiana. I think when Andre Carson speaks, folks know he is speaking for himself, his constituents, but he's also channeling a a part of the Democratic Party that is really, really frustrated right now with the president and the way he's been behaving. To tie Andre Carson to Joe Donnelly, it's just not going to work. I don't think anyone in Indiana is going to believe that.
2: Mike, what's your take on that in terms of the Senate race and does this whole conversation
0: put Senator Donnelly in a, in, a, in a more difficult spot? I really that? don't think so. Um, I think there are two separate Democratic office holders with two different sets of issues and, and some of the same obviously overlapping constituencies. But I think Donnelly's going to win or lose based upon Trump's popularity here in the state and any mistakes he or Braun, make in the next eight to ten weeks well let's talk about uh, trump's popularity what about all this news this past week cohen manafort the legal
2: pressure uh really mounting on some of those who are in donald trump's inner circle uh even the cfo of the trump organization has been granted immunity now uh, how, how bad is this going to get for for the president himself
7: well it seems like it could get very bad everyone's talking about this treasure trove of evidence it's from the national Enquirer, Um The immunity that's being offered his CFO. We just don't know. I think a lot of people are on pins and needles. Some people are hoping for the worst. I think everybody wants to see our country succeed. Everybody is really concerned that we move forward, that America survives and thrives, but we could be on the brink of chaos.
2: You heard Mike Braun there say in the interview he doesn't think uh, Hoosier Republicans uh b- buy all of this news or are putting much stock in it do you think that's the case or do you think that some republicans are starting to get concerned about uh, this investigation where all this is headed
5: i want to say that they're necessarily buying stock in it but what i will say is that they're taking notice and more often than not they're probably frustrated that we are almost two two years into this term and we're still talking about investigations from the 2016 primary and still we it seemed to have forgotten about the investigations that Hillary Clinton should have been part of. Well,
1: she didn't you know, win. She didn't win, <laughs> but
5: still, there are still felonies there as well. Uh, and so, I think that it's something that Hoosier voters will acknowledge, but I don't think it's going to be a major wedge issue for them in November.
7: A president felon is a much. Bigger well, there's deal been no indictment candidate. to this president
5: yet. We we told you earlier about
2: how Senator Donnelly responded to this uh, impeachment question Uh, in a statement. He would only say, I'm closely following the latest developments in our legal system and the special counsel should follow the facts wherever they lead. Well, the Braun campaign uh, also trying to seize on all of that this week, saying Donnelly's silence affirms that he's open to impeaching President Trump. He says a clear contrast to uh, Mike Braun, who supports the president and his economic policies that are saving Hoosier jobs and providing tax relief. But as I asked uh, Mike Braun earlier, is there any risk at this point in, in positioning closely to the president? He'll be on stage with him probably next week. When we don't know where all of these investigations play out over the next couple of months,
1: I work in public relations, and there's never any risk to leaving the door open. There is risk to doing what Mike Braun is doing and and cozying up to Donald Trump and and being that guy. There is definitely a risk. Do I think it's a huge risk in Indiana? I agree with Mike. I think you know Donald Trump's popularity, but more so Joe Donnelly and Mike Braun and how they behave and how they act and interact over the next what are we 75 days, 76 days out? That's to make or break this race.
2: And also a lot of talk about how this week's news could complicate the Supreme Court situation. Uh, obviously, there is this uh, Fox News poll out now uh, about the Kavanaugh confirmation. And, and now you see compared to uh, July, you see that now uh, a number of more supporters, actually more voters, actually by a slim margin feel he should not be confirmed. Uh, Chuck Schumer also saying he thinks the hearings for Kavanaugh should be delayed in the wake of all this Cohen news. So again, not just in the Senate race, but in the Kavanaugh confirmation, does, does that put the Senator Donnelly in, in, in a bit more of a bind on this specific question about Judge Kavanaugh?
0: Well, I think the next 10 weeks are gonna be the toughest 10 weeks of Joe Donnelly's life. Um, not only because of the uh, Trump investigation, but because of the Supreme Court. He's getting slowly, slowly, slowly squeezed and he's got a lot of tough decisions to make. Remember this Senate race will be decided again by the mistakes that he or Braun make, not by the good things they do, but by the mistakes they make. And obviously the Supreme Court vote is top and center. And you had a Democrat this week uh, from Hawaii canceling
2: her meeting. Uh, with Judge Kavanaugh, This could get really interesting and pretty complicated, too.
7: I think so, too. And for most Americans, I'm feeling there's a real fatigue with all the politics of it. They want business to go on. They want the business of government to go on. And we've never seen such a frenetic news cycle as has been the past two years. It just doesn't stop. It's always that cliffhanger. And so what's going to happen with that confirmation? People are on pins and needles, and some people are just like, just make it happen and make it go away. We want November here. But at the same time time what's the next November and the next November Um, it's interesting but something that Mike often brings up too is what's going to happen with voter fatigue um, viewer fatigue and voter turnout (laughs) at the end of the day will be very interesting for the Senate We race. hope none of
2: you out there are fatigued uh, because we well, try is, to energize you, give you a little right. pep in your step in the morning. Uh, what about the Supreme Court question though? Is that perhaps uh, Mike Braun's
5: uh, go-to line until Joe Donnelly decides what he's going to do? Absolutely, uh, but more importantly, I think that uh, you're right, voters want government to get back to the business of government. And you even saw Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia come out against his Democrat colleagues saying we need to delay this confirmation and say, let's do our job, we're here to do a job. And until that happens, I think voters here in Indiana are going to be pushing Joe Donnelly to to confirm Brett Kavanaugh. Senator
2: Donnelly also spoke about uh, the Kavanaugh issue. We have some of that uh, interview on our website. Meantime, also a lot of the talk this week about Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions, whether he'll be fired and talk about uh, here in Indiana, our own Attorney General uh, also remains under investigation. And this week he's speaking to the media. He uh, gave a press conference earlier this week talking about addiction in jails and briefly did address that defamation lawsuit that he filed following allegations that he groped four women at a downtown bar. His lawyers argue someone leaked a memo detailing the General Assembly's internal investigation. They say whoever leaked that memo committed uh, what amounts to defamation. Hill has denied the allegations. Here's the extent of what he would tell reporters about the investigation this week.
5: I'd like it to be done yesterday, but I, that's, that's not up to me. Um, I'm just pleased that the, there's an opportunity to uh, actually see a fair process in place. So I'm very pleased about that, very cooperative. And so we'll see what happens. All
2: right, so the inspector general continues to look into the situation. The AG at this event, as we said, dealing with inmates and addiction, trying to go about the business of being the attorney general, despite all the leaders in his own party still calling for him to step down.
1: And there's really not much else he can do. He's decided that this is the hill he's going to die on, no pun intended, I did not mean to do that, um, but this is, he's going to stand his ground, he's going to move forward and he's going to go through the investigation, so what else is he going to do?
0: And where does that put Governor Holcomb, well, I, I think he leaders, has a lot so. of options. Um, first of all, I believe the, the allegers, if that's a proper word, um, I think they were telling the truth when they made the allegations. But Curtis Hill is not gonna go down without a fight. And mark my words, I think if he's going down, he's gonna take some people down with him. Hmm. What about the, the manner
2: in which she you know, continues to conduct the business of the Office of Attorney General, holding press conferences like these, putting out statements on other issues? Trying to just ignore uh, the the obvious elephant in the room here.
7: He tries to ignore it. And what's interesting too is AJ's bar was cram jammed full of all of his colleagues that he works with every day, from lobbyists to lawmakers, to people that just are buzzed with the general assembly and, and what's the workings of government. It's he's hanging on by a thread. When you consider Governor Holcomb, Lieutenant Governor Crouch, and so many others have called for him to leave, but um, he's just put his head down and you know and. On through. Do you think
5: he'll be able to survive this? I think ultimately that's the presumption we need to make. And investigations are going on. The basis of our judicial system is innocent until proven guilty, and guilt hasn't been proven yet. But and so, while there are allegations out there, and those allegations are serious and need to be taken into consideration, we can't condemn a man just based off an allegation.
1: No, but the funny thing is, this is the new this is the new norm in politics. You've got Duncan Hunter. You've got you know the attorney general here. You've got the president, who basically you know facing all these different allegations, and his own lawyer turning on him. Business as usual. Go on tweeting, go on having press conferences. And this is, a, it's, a, it's a new norm in politics. And to
0: solve that, Donald Trump says that deals with the prosecutor should be outlawed, which is All one of right. the most bizarre statements of the week. <laughs> we got to leave it right there. We'll have much more on our podcast. Also,
2: ahead, thoughts pouring in from around the world of politics for John McCain and his family. You hear what Indiana lawmakers are saying right after this.
4: Thoughts and prayers continue to pour in from around the world this morning for John McCain and his family. Last night, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb tweeted, First Lady Janet Holcomb and I are heartbroken to hear of the passing of Senator John McCain. He lived a model life of service and heroism, a real-life hero who always worked for causes greater than himself. Fair winds and following seas, oh, Captain, my Captain. We'll be right back.
2: All right, Rob, you're up first as we pick this week's winners
5: and losers. Uh, winners of the United States Senate for the bipartisan approach to the news about Senator McCain. Christina.
7: Winner, Geraldo Rivera, he hears there's more uh, juice in the National Enquirer's vaults than we're in uh, oh. Al Capone's minds.
0: <laughs> right. uh, loser, Donald Trump, worst week of his presidency. Winner, Tony Cook from the Star, who's yeah. taking on a new beat yeah. going from State house investigations to Investigations.
2: Now. Yeah, yep. Jennifer.
1: What Mike said.
0: All right, we'll leave it there. That's it for
2: this week's show. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. All right, let's talk a little bit more here with our panel. Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Christina Hale, Rob Burgess with us uh, this week. After the show, hanging out, talking about uh, the week that was, Tuesday's uh, news cycle there. It all happened around 4 o'clock Tuesday. Manafort and Cohen at the same time, really, these two events that uh, seemed to shake up Washington a little bit this week. Um, Where where are we headed next here? Rob, Christina, I imagine you might have a different take on all this, but what what, what do you think this week? I I know some Republicans still in Congress, very loathe to talk about all of this and what it might mean, Is, is there some
5: concern? I'd say that there's concern that it takes such a big focus of the news cycle and it distracts from a lot of the good work that Congress and the president have done over the course of the last 18 months. Uh, should questions be asked? Absolutely, but when you look at things that have gotten done just this year alone, you know we're looking at major tax cuts. We're looking at, you know, raises for the military. Things that should be talked about with pride, and you know they just fall flat or they get dropped to the D block of a news hour. So.
7: And to oh. your point too. Or to the podcast.
2: Or yeah. to the podcast. which is <laughs> <laughs> podcast. And we love the podcast here
7: with Dan yeah. yeah. so. <laughs> Um, but the, a lot of the nuance does get lost as well yeah. in terms of the politics. You know, something I found very interesting this week was Lindsey Graham and his sort of changing attitude, which he seems to have defied. He had said last year,
2: if, if just Sessions gets fired, there'll be holy hell to pay. And this week he basically said, yeah, I think he's going to get fired after the midterms. <laughs>
7: yeah, and he said, you know, it's the, really the president's, View and right, you know, it's his cabinet, they serve at his pleasure, so okay. And it just really seems on a number of issues that he's, he's um, thawed toward the administration in a way that I hadn't expected. Now,
2: I, like, a, I suspect, does oh, oh, Lindsey Graham mean, yeah, they golf together? Uh, do, does he mean he'll get fired after the midterms if Republicans hang on to the House? Because I have to imagine if Democrats win back the House and the president fires the AG, uh,
0: there might be. There might be holy hell to pay. Well, I think the president has a right to do it either way, right? I mean, we mm-hmm. could go back to the... Hate well, it's a constitutional it. right, yeah, but it's, what it's are it's the political rights. Yeah. Well, I think the, I think the political... I think, I think this really comes down to two things. I don't, and Jeff Sessions, I don't think, matters, frankly. This is all about Robert Mueller and Donald Trump. We don't know what, Ronald, what uh, Robert Mueller knows. We do know he's very methodical, and so far he's five for five. I would not bet against Robert Mueller, frankly. Uh, the the uh, the uh, immunities that were granted last week, a little bit, and a lot of that stuff is still with the uh, the Southern District of New York, not technically with the Mueller probe, though. That's it, right. It, it could all intertwine. But, and, but there's it's some all the other things that have happened that Department. are maybe a few degrees removed, which are Chris Collins and Duncan Hunter, the two, the first two House members to come out in favor of Trump. There's just so much swirling, and you know, as my mom used to say, you know. Show me your five best friends, I'll tell you who you are. And five of Donald Trump's best friends have been indicted or pled guilty in the last several months. That's not good.
1: I don't have five best friends, so. <laughs> uh, you guys might be it, actually. I I the this is, be the is it, yeah. yeah. It. The the in, in focus days. Best Friend there Podcast.
2: There we go, this is us. The five best friends that any of us have the, ever yeah, had. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: wow, we went there. <laughs> um, yeah, what a week. And, and it'll be interesting to see if the president sits down with Mueller. I don't think he will after this week. I think he'd be an idiot, too. I thought of that before, but now I think he, what you said, Mike, is, is absolutely right. But I, I agree with you, Rob. Like, we have, now you were going to say the positive talking points from this administration, but there was other big news that happened this week. You saw a rollback of some clean energy uh, uh, regulations and, and uh, uh, the clean coal plan at the federal level. You've, uh, just on Friday afternoon, you know, we canceled another North Korea. Like, you know, we're not doing that anymore. Denuclearization. De- like, there are big topics going on in Washington, and no one's paying any attention to them because we're all sitting here talking about this. And honestly, we don't really have any idea what we're talking about. Well, we're just uh, hypothesizing and filling airtime. One thing uh, you
0: can say is I think Donald Trump is his own worst enemy because i agree with rob there have been some significant accomplishments mostly frankly by congress and then and then he has been smart enough to sign the bills but uh he's his own worst enemy somebody's got to get him under control maybe his lawyers never can but if he doesn't is to his own extreme uh detriment
2: but he yeah, still has a hold of the base he, for the most part he right as, he's as far extremely as we know
5: popular among you know consistent gop turnout voters and part of it is because and and i i like to call it the syndrome that my my dad has right it's what every single voter has sat at the kitchen table and complained about for the last 30 years you know he just says it and that's attractive to some voters however going back to what jennifer was saying though i think that we've we've entered this new cycle in a 24-hour media you know world where they want to become personalities rather than reporters you know The CNN White House reporter should not be in a shouting match with the White House press secretary every single day, right? But at the same time, we shouldn't be having Twitter wars with networks either. And so I think that we've gone away from really... Trying to do a good job of reporting the news and reporting what is good and bad in this country, and instead are just trying to turn it into personality fights. Well, like in the same governing, I'm
7: just real say in governing. Can you imagine that Dwight Eisenhower back in the day was using the radio to talk to one to his attorney general to say like, Hey, you should have done this, this, and that. I mean, now he's using a mass communication tweet to talk to Jeff Sessions in this casual kind of, you know. Uh, really, um, quasi insulted. Come on, Jeff. You know, you know right. goading his attorney general, his own attorney general, his cabinet member on the Twitter. Well, and this it's, is
2: going to be my point yeah. because this is where I always jump yeah. up, you know, to defend the media. Couldn't you say the same about the personalities within the Trump administration, kind of out there in this in this news environment? Uh, being on Twitter in ways that are different and unique, but uh, I, you know, you go right. you talk about Omarosa, just the whole spectacle of the White House, right? Well,
5: now. As, as far as what 2016 was, I think we can all agree that 2016 was the cycle of the non-politician. You know, it was the cycle of the outsider, and when you look at national politics, it doesn't get any more stereotypical than Donald Trump as somebody who is not a polished politician, and so. Am I surprised? Not really, because look at look at the personality he created over the years being on network TV. You know, it's what people know him for. You know?
1: and I, I will say too. All right, because I'm a former reporter, and I mean, Mike, you've got TV background, like. Not that you're not a reporter, if you have TV background. I'm so from from a reporter. I'm really excited to be in the TV studio. That's That's, yeah. Okay, so we got. Not so, me.
6: Okay, so <laughs> sorry,
2: I will
1: excuse you. So we were. So my boyfriend and I were at the war memorial last weekend, and we were looking at some of the headlines from the end of World War II, right? And like. Indianapolis Times, you know, um, what was the other? It was the the news. There were I mean, no star funny. headlines, no. which was kind of weird. Right. So
6: but they the were Times,
1: really, right. like, that was incendiary headlines and, and calling foreign leaders, you know, obviously ones we were at war with, names. And it's on the front page of the paper. So this is yeah. not anything new. This. Oh, and
2: back in the 20s, the muckrakers. Yes. And there were, I mean, there was definitely a press, uh, a style in the press back then. Yeah, it's it just
1: faster. It's on our phones. We can get it, you know, immediately yeah. when we, we wake up in the morning without really having the there. dog yep. bring it inside. But, like... <laughs> It, it's not any worse it's just it's just more
2: to amplify it comes out yes like this now right um you talk about the outsider role no. that kind of the role mike Braun's trying to play in the senate race here in indiana
0: and is it working well i think it's worked so far um worked we, in the primaries it worked sure. in the primary um mike needs to kind of get on his game you know he made some mistakes in the primary which everybody makes particularly when you're a first timer he survived those you know some things weren't too artfully done but he got through it uh mostly because of the weakness of his of his opponents and his ability to package those opponents as being tweedly d and tweedly dumb so to speak right so but you know donnelly's a different level than messer and and rakita and i think that braun's mistakes will not be as easily forgiven and it's a compressed schedule right we have eight or ten weeks to right. go whatever it is so i i think he'll he we, we still have to see. I don't think I think the jury's out on how good of a campaign Braun's going to win. Remember, it's all going to be mistakes. They're going to be judged, not good. There things. was another AP report this week about uh, foreign auto parts in his business. Yeah. There's been a lot of back and forth, so a lot of he
2: said, he saids about uh, the ethics complaint that was filed. Uh, Braun says he did file it on time. The Democrats uh, said he didn't. A lot of these mini controversies where the Democrats are, are uh, trying to say Braun has a credibility gap, but there are a lot of issues at this point to your point earlier, that are kind of being overshadowed yeah. in Indiana, I think by everything else that's happening in politics. But policies. if
0: you look at, I don't care if it's ethics complaints or FEC violation complaints that get filed, those things usually don't get adjudicated until after the campaign's over and then they get dropped because they're irrelevant, right? Or right. years yeah. later. right? Or years later, yeah, yes. it's still going on forever. And so what, what, what really is important in this campaign is Mike Braun telling the truth or is he not? That's a pretty simple question and there is a pretty simple answer to it, right? is Joe Donnelly gonna vote for Kavanaugh or is he not? That's a pretty simple question and we will know the will answer certainly at some
5: know point. The answer to There's that. some
0: pretty simple issues here and the Hoosiers are pretty good at, at judging, you know, measuring the man, so to speak. Well, and I'm, I'm gonna
5: say something and I think I'm agreeing with Jen. I think I've heard you yes. say this before. Yes. Um, <laughs> but I don't think Hoosier voters are going to be concerned about FEC issues, right? What Joe Donnelly has going for him that Mike Braun doesn't is that for years, the crown and Joe Donnelly, you know, the jewel in Joe Donnelly's crown has been his constituent outreach and services. You know, he has been the standard for the state of Indiana. That I can tell you, every other congressional office internally talks about how can we do it. Yeah, like he to talks godliness. onto a lot of those issues. This cancer right. no, but he's thing been, I mean, was this he, past he does week.
1: that day to day response. I mean, he takes it really seriously. He's got really the ad seriously. with
2: Jordan uh, McLean's yep. uh, mother, an issue. He yeah. was there and, with the president. And that um, stuff
1: matters. And I'll go one step. I mean, I think that is exceptionally important for any office. It's something that Andre Carson's office does really well here. Um, I also think that likability matters. Mm-hmm. Mike Braun was the most likable candidate in the Republican primary. The other two kind of came across like smarmy congressmen. But now you're running against Joe Donnelly. I mean, I've said this before. He's a guy who's got the five o'clock shadow at nine o'clock in the morning. He you don't get a lot more real and likable
7: than Joe. He's he, just he never got fancy. He is he, yeah. a truly genuine, genuinely like good person, and I think that he radiates character.
0: But to get to what Rob said about constituent service is so important. I think maybe the best right now in the House delegation is Susan Brooks and her constituent service. If you're a congressman or a senator, you have to have this attitude, you're going to help people regardless of party label. And that gets around, oh my gosh, I'm a Democrat and Susan Brooks helped me. Uh, To that point, Brooks and Donnelly
2: have actually worked together. Yeah, or I'm a Republican and and Joe
0: Donnelly actually, his people returned my call and fixed my problem. You can even go back to people like Dan Burton, who had a horrible personal reputation, but a legendary constituent uh, services reputation. That's true
7: regarding constituent services for both of those offices. What I would add to that though, something else that is important is accessibility. And Joe Donnelly has been so accessible. He's out there. And if you want to get a message to him, if you want to talk with him, he's, he's in his public. Not so much for someone like Susan Brooks or others like um, Trey Hollingsworth who have declined to have <laughs> she went sorry there, Rob yeah. She yeah. did Sorry the Rob old boss. who have declined to have, you know, town hall meetings or really connect with the people that they serve. Because part of being an elected official is also listening because you are representing people. So you have to have that honest reciprocal. Conversation about the issues going on um, that you're there to work on.
5: I'll give you I, a rebuttal. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to say that you know a lot of claims can be made about any of our federal members uh, in Congress. Accessibility for Trey Hollingsworth can't be one of them. He's the only member of the delegation that sits down and makes over 500 calls randomly to constituents across the district every week, and the number one question is, "I'm your member of Congress. What's the most important issue facing your family today, and how can I help?" You know, and so until another republican or democrat stands up and starts making over 30,000 calls since they've taken office before they've even talked about a re-election, you know then come talk to me but about But that would be kind of weird to
1: like just get like a... It would be like, like uh, what was that show back in the 90s? Like where they would prank call yeah. you? I'd be like, are you really And Frank who picks Collins up well? the
7: phone anymore? I mean, where's uh, he getting uh, his uh, phone I numbers? i mean, do no, no, like, you get the cell phones of everyone? He,
0: that's something that's going on that we didn't know until just this minute. Yeah, right? I didn't know that. And a lot of the voters don't know. It.
5: Damn <laughs>
0: <But> this. <laughs> there is the impression, and it's one that Liz Watson is trying
2: to uh, portray in this race, that he's not been as accessible. Um Will that will that be an issue in the ninth district race? I, I don't know. I'll tell know. you
7: something too. It's one thing to make a phone call to one constituent at the end of the line. When I was in office, I held meetups, random meetups throughout my district every week during session. Why? They were for the public and I had to be accountable for what I said and what I answered to for Republicans, Democrats, not a safe audience, very public space. We'd be in a McDonald's, we'd be at a, the coffee break. But you have to be consistent and open and honest when everybody's listening and not just that one private person at the end of the line.
0: It, you know, well, I, speaking I, of memories, yeah. um, <laughs> well, I'm sure I you have memories. No yeah. yeah. okay. I put my cell phone on every piece of mail I sent
5: out. Every collateral piece, every door knocker, I put my cell phone on. I
7: give my cell phone no. too. You and
5: have to. I haven't worked for Trey Hollingsworth in nine months, but the one thing I can tell you is how genuine he does feel about making sure that he is listening and being a true representative for his district. We can sit here and argue all night about what the definition of a town hall or a meetup is, but he is on the first flight home from Washington, D.C. every week, and he's on the last flight back so that he can be spending as much time in front of the people he represents as possible. And, well, I, and the I, bottom you know. line
0: is, none of these people are going to lose. Yeah. Lose Washington. Yeah. And, yeah, that's right, and here's the know. thing I'm truly unelectable, so but
1: in the spirit of bringing it all back to something that was said on the broadcast, people just want their government to work. Exactly. And so if they think that they're that's getting true. the service that they want from their government, the answers that they want, then they're happy. There you go. But if they see some of the stuff we talk about every week, they're probably like, oh, my dear God, what is going on in the swamp? All All right. Right.
0: We talk about the same nine people two years from now. Exactly. I'll,
2: give, I'll give you each a final word on what this week, uh, this past week means.
1: I, I, I don't
7: know. We'll wait till next week to find out.
0: I say let Robert Mueller do his job. Everybody should, should chill.
7: Viewer excitement. Tune in next week. You right? said viewer okay. fatigue. <laughs> I, on I TV, know. You TV, called uh, me out on that. You no, Those are the other shows. <laughs>
5: uh, I'm going to say that. Indianapolis got a good preview of what the big issue uh, for the 2019 race is going to be. It's going to be the primary. Race, crime. Absolutely. Uh, Indianapolis just saw their 100th murder this year. 100th this criminal point, the side. Last yeah. year, we were at 84.
2: Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much. We'll have much more coming up on the podcast and on TV next week, every Sunday, 8.30 a.m. on CBS 4, 9.30 a.m. on Fox 59. See you then.